Hello, hello. You are listening to A Pastor in His Newspaper, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. It's great to be with you. Um, excited to, to talk about the coordination uh, of a new king in England and haven't uh, had one of these in quite a long time. Um, and uh, since Elizabeth II's coordination in the 50s. And so uh, I didn't watch it. Uh, my mother woke up at four in the morning to watch it. But uh, still very interested in what happens with the British monarch and how it affects America as well and uh, how it's affecting not only America, but other countries that have um, connections to United Kingdom who are once part of the UK Commonwealth. And so going to talk about that. That's our primary issue. Hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode. I know that I was very interested in discussing uh, that topic and has actually come up quite often in a few conversations um, about gender dysphobia. So please check out that episode from last week on gender dysphobia um, and how Americans are, are, are kind of dealing with that. That issue different than the Europeans, especially. So I want to just kind of point you to that episode. Um, but um, want to get into first off before we kind of jump into our, our topic, our news um, story of of the week. Uh, just kind of catch you up on some things in sports um, that are happening. Um, I, I do actually do like the Warriors. I guess I would say I'm a kind of a bandwagon. I'm a big Steph Curry fan. Just enjoy watching him play. And he's kind of the modern-day Pistol Pete. And so it's just fun for someone that size to just dominate a game. I mean, it makes sense for, like, LeBron James to dominate basketball games. He's so big and athletic. But for Steph Curry, who's, uh, what, 6'2", and not a big guy at all, not super strong either, but can just control the game because of how well of a shooter he is and uh, how well of a ball handler he is. I mean, he is, the again, he's our, um, as our day's, our generation's pistol peep uh, had, and that was actually there was a, a movie um, I, I don't remember what it's called, uh, but they made a kind of like this kind of cheap um, kind of biopic of Pistol Pete. And I remember watching it as a kid over and over again because he was just so so good and so creative with the ball and such a great shooter. So, uh, but they're out and the defending champs lost to the Lakers. the The series was almost an exact copy of the Grizzlies series, um, and so now we have Celtics Heat. Uh, the Heat were the last team in on the Eastern uh, Conference, and they've made it all the way to the the conference final against the the Celtics. And then the Nuggets first the Lakers. The Nuggets were the first seed. Lakers were the seven seed. Um, yeah, I've, I mentioned this to a few people recently, and they were they didn't know this either. But learned actually recently watching a documentary where the name Lakers came from. Um, it has no connection with Los Angeles or California or Southern California. Uh, Lakers, uh, simply enough, is someone who lives near a lake. Because the team moved from Minneapolis, Minnesota to Los Angeles. So they were the Minneapolis Lakers, which actually makes sense because Minneapolis is in the state of Minnesota, which is a nickname, the, the state of a thousand, a thousand lakes. And uh, so they were called the Lakers. And then they moved to L.A. They didn't change the name. So hence the name, L.A. Lakers. Um, and uh, so they'll be playing the Nuggets 
and um, that should be a pretty entertaining and competitive uh, series. I'm not a big NBA fan, but again, I, I like Steph Curry, and so I'm not really sure who I'm going to root for. I'll probably root for a Nuggets Celtics series because I just don't like the Lakers. I uh, never have, never will, and uh, wouldn't mind uh, the Celtics and the Nuggets. Uh, I think the Celtics are the best team left, um, and I think they should win the finals this year. Um, going into kind of some college sports, college softball, Tennessee won the SEC regular season and uh, uh, tournament, and they're the the fourth seed in the college softball NCAA tournament. Uh, Oklahoma is number one. They're kind of the, the dominant team in college softball. But Tennessee has, has had some good years, has had some – some solid years. It's been a while since they've been one of the best teams heading into the the NCAA tournament. So hopefully they can make it to the World Series and maybe they can um, give Oklahoma uh, a challenge for the national championship. Uh, college baseball, the the UT Falls last year were like the number one team all year. They couldn't make it to the World Series. This year they've kind of been on and off. Um, and some were we're kind of hoping this is the this is this year's Ole Miss team who kind of had an up-and-down regular season and then kind of got on to caught fire in the in the World Series and ended up winning it all. So hopefully Tennessee could be that team this year. I want to mention a few things that uh, – just a, a TV show I just recently watched on Netflix called Dopl- uh, Diplomat with Carrie uh, Russell. Uh, if you like political thrillers, she is the um, – she plays a, a character who's the ambassador to Great Britain. And there is a an event that happens in the beginning of the show, and she is kind of in this uh, back and forth kind of mystery, uh, trying to figure out who was the cause of this 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 event. And it's kind of a, a up and down kind of surprise uh, at the end kind of show, and uh, very interesting. It's kind of, it's written by the same person who wrote um, the the last few seasons of The West Wing, which I was a big fan of. So um, it had some. Some good, some good kind of foreign policy, uh, State Department, kind of like uh, Madam Secretary, if you watch that show. Um, so it does have some cussing in it since it's Netflix, so I'm just kind of going to give you a warning on that. But uh, that's a show that, that I just watched that I thought was really good. I read a book called The Greatest Beer Run, which is a, a, a story about um, uh, a, a kind of a, um, a sea merchant who – uh, took uh, some beer to his his buddies in in Vietnam, and it's a true story actually. And uh, and so he gets kind of stuck, gets stuck in Vietnam during the Tet Offensive, which I didn't I don't know much about the Vietnam War, just the actual war itself. And so very it's a historical book. You learn a lot about Vietnam and the war in Vietnam uh, through this story. It's not a very long read, but it's very entertaining read um, through the greatest beer run. Um, so there's a few things that I've kind of watched and read and, and some kind of sports events that I thought I've kind of kind of um, uh, connected with just to let you know kind of what my thoughts um, on those different things. If you have read a book recently and like to suggest it, please send me an email at mcastro at centralchurch.com. I'd love to know what you're reading and watching. Um, I watched the Elvis movie this morning. Very interesting in the perspective of Colonel Parker. Um, so that was a, and the music was great in it. And uh, I think it's a, it's a really good adaptation of Elvis's life. You know, you know, living most of his life in Memphis. Um, it has a lot of that kind of local connection. So I want to uh, set you on that. I have plans to watch the movie Air hopefully soon about Michael Jordan. It is um, streaming on Prime right now so just you can catch that if you're a prime member which is most people 
and uh, so I'm, I have that on my list to to uh, to watch soon. So I want to kind of talk about kind of one of a, a major visit. I honestly didn't think it got as much press as you would think it should, but it's the coronation of King Charles III. This is the oldest son of Elizabeth II, the queen who just passed away in uh, last. This was last May when she passed away. Um, and um, so they, you know, she, he's been queen since her death, but this was uh, the date May the 6th was his coronation and uh, to be uh, as king of Great Britain or, or the UK, um, which if you don't really understand how, you know, it's obviously much smaller than it used to be, but uh, you have England where you have the city of London, but you also have Wales, you have Scotland, and you have Northern Ireland. That's a part of the UK, the United Kingdom. But also, the monarch is also the, the monarch over 15 countries that are part of the Commonwealth. They're not a part of the UK, um, but they are part of the Commonwealth. And, and so they still recognize the, the king or queen of England as their as their monarch, and um, and this includes like some Caribbean islands, um, includes a, a, other areas. Um, uh, uh, I think yeah, fifteen countries is what uh, are part of the Commonwealth. Um, and, and you know, back in if you've watched the show Crown, you've seen these episodes where uh, the queen would travel uh, around these different commonwealths and visit her people and do this tour. And she would speak, and she'd be taken to different sites and and, and introduced and to different uh, important people uh, of the country. And again, they would celebrate when she came because she was their monarch. They were, that was their queen. And even though she had no, you know, direct um, oversight over their governance, their nation was part of the Commonwealth. And at what time this included like Egypt and Saudi Arabia and um, South Africa and all these other type of countries that now don't uh, necessarily are, aren't part of the of the Commonwealth. Um, and so uh, King Charles, this has been kind of a long wait. I mean, Queen Elizabeth had the she's the longest living monarch. Um, and so Charles has been waiting quite a long time for her mother's death for him to be crowned. And in the midst of that waiting, he has been divorced to Diana and then remarried to Camilla. And um, uh, it, what brings up the kind of, I, don't know, I would say, the, the interesting part of this story is... Really, you have to kind of go back prior to even when Queen Elizabeth II uh, was coordinated and became, and she was queen of of England, to her uncle, and and her father, when he and her, when her father became king, um, of course he was King uh, George, um, and George the Sixth, I believe, is was his title, and then his her uncle was was King was Edward. Edward the Eighth was was his name. Well, so if Edward was the oldest, and so her uncle was actually the oldest, and her father, King George, was the youngest, and so um, the thought was that Edward would become king when their son, when their father George passed away. Um, but uh, there was a a huge controversy uh, that was happening uh, when King George passed away. 
uh, King George V was Queen Elizabeth's grandfather. And so King George VI was her father. And if you wanted to a little bit more, uh, this is more helpful. If you've ever seen the movie The King's Speech, that was Queen Elizabeth II's father, the one who had the stutter, who struggled in his, his ability to speak, but then had to give this important speech to the people when they entered into World War, World War II against the Germans. That was King George VI. Well, he had a brother who was Edward VIII, uh, so Prince Edward VIII. Um, well, he became king when King George V died. Um, the problem was was that he was wanting to marry an American woman named Wallace w- Wallace Simpson. Wallace Simpson, Miss Simpson. She was an American, and it wasn't that, the issue that was uh, that she was American. The issue was she had been divorced. Um, and, and the issue is, is the king or the monarch of England is also the head of the church of England and, and the church had a very strong stance against divorce. Um, and so really the option for Edwards was become king or get married to Miss Simpson. Well, he chose to marry Wallace Simpson and because he married her, um, it created this constitutional crisis. Um, and so because of that choice, he abdicated the throne in 1936. And so because he abdicated on December 11th, 1936, his brother, his youngest brother, uh, King George the sixth became King. And that was Elizabeth the second's, um, father. And then also, uh, Prince Charles is now King Charles's grandfather. Um, and, and so that crisis, that abduction, that abdication crisis connection with divorce gets us to the story today. Um, so King Charles the third now coordinated on March the 6th, 2023 was, is now, not only does he get the title of King, but he's the defender of the faith. And when it's important that we say defender of the faith and not defender of faith or defender of a faith, he's a defender of the faith, which is the Christian faith. Um, the faith of that is represented in the, the Book of Common Prayer, that's represented in the New Testament, uh, Scripture, the, uh, and uh, we, we, even though there's, you know, it's a um, pluralistic society in Great Britain, uh, the... Great Britain has an organized religion, and that religion is Christianity. And its monarch is the leader of the Church of England. And so for King Charles, who, and I love it to present this, if you don't know this story, I think it's important to, to cover it here, is that, so Charles married Princess Diana, or she became a princess when, uh, when she uh, married Charles. So Charles was Prince of Wales. She was the Princess of Wales. And um, they had a very rocky, uh, roller-coastering, up-and-down relationship. And um, they had uh, two children, uh, William and and Harry. And um, they eventually, there was uh, Charles, before he married Diana, but then quickly after he married Diana, he had a sexual affair with his now wife, Camilla. And, um, and so him taking the throne and being the defender of the faith 
is connected to a man who had a sexual affair, ongoing sexual affair, while he was married to Princess Diana, and then had a divorce with the and then had a divorce from Diana, and then remarried the woman that he was having a sexual affair with. And again, let's rem- just remember that his uncle. So let's talk a little more about Edwards. Charles was very close to his uncle, was very fond of his uncle. His uncle, Edward VIII, and his and Edward's wife, Wallace Simpson, was a Nazi sympathizer. There are pictures of him with Hitler. He sympathized with the Hitler, with the Nazis and the Germans. And so Edwards is a very is he's not a hero of the British in the British. Uh, he's not a hero of, of British history by any means. And um, and Charles really, in some ways, has a lot more in common with Edwards VIII than he does with his grandfather or with his mother. And so he takes the throne, he takes the crown, uh, takes the title of Defender of the Faith, um, even though he's had an ongoing sexual affair, uh, was divorced, then remarried to his now wife, Camilla, and she is now queen. So a couple who had sexual affair, an ongoing sexual affair, are now crowned king and queen of England and are also heads of the church, not as much her, but definitely him, and defenders of the faith. And it's pretty uh, well known that Charles is not a Christian, has no interest in Christianity whatsoever, was actually advocating that it be changed from defender of the faith to defender of faith, um, creates the the controversy that we all are, are kind of uh, where where England is right now and and, and you know I, just to present some some statistics for you um, currently 29% of British citizens 29% support the monarch 29% 41% of those over 55 support the monarch. So less than 50% of the more traditionalist of British society support the monarch. 29% among the 35 to 54, and then 10% of British citizens between the age of 18 to 34 support the British monarch. Um, There's a term um, kind of in British uh, political conversation called republicanism. And this is a term that are in some way anti-monarchs. They don't. They believe that the monarch should go away. Um, I believe there's 20, 22, I believe countries that still have a monarch of some sort. Like Sweden has a monarch. Uh, a lot of the European countries still have a monarch. I believe Japan still has an emperor. Um, I was in Indonesia on an island, and they had still had a sultan. Uh, they had like a palace, like right there in the middle of the city. Uh, but there are still, you know, a lot of countries, not a lot of countries, but there are a few countries that still have a monarch. And Britain is one of these countries that have a monarch. But there is a large, I mean, less than 30% of the British citizens probably would prefer if the monarch would go away. Now, it's one that you say that when it actually goes away, when a lot of your identity as a nation is connected to that. But I think what's important part of the story is you have Queen Elizabeth II was was such a massive individual and she spanned so much of history. I mean, just to help you, I, I did an episode a while back on on her, so you have to go back and listen to that if you want more information. But her first prime minister 
was Churchill. <laughs> the first prime minister that she met with on a weekly basis was Churchill, William Churchill. I mean, Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill. And, and so her time of, she goes all the way to Margaret Thatcher and then to Boris Johnson. That was her last, that was her last prime minister. And so that's just the, the span that she took up, the, what a figure she was. And the, sh- the shadow that she casts is massive. And there are people that probably don't support the system of the monarch in Britain, but supported Elizabeth. But now that with her passing and with her son, who's not very popular, who divorced and had a sexual affair with, you know, uh, um, uh, had a sexual affair with Camilla, um, and so therefore divorced Diana, who was very popular. Just look at kind of remember back in 97 when she passed away. People just are not very fond of him. And he's just not a very, um, you know, he has had very little charisma as, a, as an individual. Some were arguing that he should abdicate the throne so that his son William and Kate could take over instead of them, instead of um, um, Charles and, and Camilla. Um, that um, that would be more favorable to the monarch going forward. Um, but he decides to take uh, take the throne and, and, and wear the crown and be titled the Defender of the Faith, even though he had an ongoing sexual affair and was divorced, then married the one he was having a sexual affair with, and who was actually not a Christian at all, and would rather be called defender of a faith, or a defender of faith, a defender of the faith, um, I think creates an interesting moment for the British monarch going forward. There are a lot of issues kind of that are really, I would say, could could sink uh, the monarch. I mean, just this is not in any like kind of significant order, but I just kind of the way, way I thought of them. But number one is Prince Andrew. If you don't know about this, Prince Andrew is the brother, the youngest of the four children that um, Elizabeth had with um, with the Duke of Edinburgh, Philip. Uh, you have Charles, uh, Princess Anna. Edwards, I think, is one, and then Andrew. Um, Andrew was the was the youngest um, of the kids, and and actually, if you watch one of the episodes of The Crown, now you have to be careful with The Crown uh, because it's you know it's entertainment. Um, so you have to be a little careful. Um, Ah, I was right. Princess Prince Edward. I was, I was right. Um, Andrew was actually her her favorite child. Um, she had a lot of connections with him and really enjoyed him. She's Charles was probably one of the ones that she um, was was one of her least favorite children. Um, Anna was the favorite of of her husband, the Duke of Edinburgh. They really connected. But and Anna was really involved with, with horses as well. And she was very fond of them when and Queen Elizabeth was, was one of her more, more, more favorite things that she um, one of her favorite passions was horse racing and raising horses and taking care of horses. Um, but Prince Andrew is connected to the Joseph Epstein um, kind of sex island. And and basically um, um, having basically uh, being somewhat of a uh, trafficker of young women for high-profile 
political figures. And one of these individuals that have been mentioned in the story is former President Clinton. Um, and of course, Theo Epstein, um, you know, he committed suicide in prison. Um, and, and Prince Andrew is a, is a part of this story that he, he, was, he was close with Epstein, that he had an, um, an on, and off, on and off again um, kind of affair, if you want to call it that, or uh, had young minors given to him to sleep with. And so he was removed of his title, uh, stripped of his title for this. Well, that's still, you know, that's still an issue. Um, this is the brother of the current King of England. And that just provides another massive stone that the monarch just slowly sinking the monarch. And it, and it's a, it's a black mark, uh, to Britain altogether, because the monarch is a, is the ceremonial figure of the British people. And, and, and represents the people. And so when one of Elizabeth's children, a former prince, Prince Andrew, is the brother of King Charles, his, is a, uh, a sex offender, um, that's, that's going to have problems when already you're not popular. And 29% of the British people want your, the, the monarch to go away. And the second issue is Prince Harry and Meghan. Um, Harry, the you know, the son of Charles, King Charles, um, and the brother of, of, of second um, in, the, in the line of uh, Prince William. Harry has followed in his uncle's footsteps and married an American divorced woman, um, and Meghan, and um, always forget her name, so I'm going to look her up, and because uh, I always forget. I know she was in the, she was in the show, uh, um, uh, suits, right? Um, and uh, make a Merkle, yeah, make a Merkle. Uh, but they got married, you know, not so long ago, and um, they have uh, been very critical of the monarch and were critical of Elizabeth when she was still alive. Wrote a tell-all book, had tell-all interview with Oprah. Uh, are now living in the United States, I believe, and um, um. And have they have distanced themselves from the monarch? They're not paid anymore by the British people, um, but they have continued just to tarnish the the image of of the monarch and the and the family, and um, and they have in some ways they're probably a sympathetic uh, figures because they were um, in some ways mistreated by the family. That's kind of the narrative that they've been sharing. And especially Megan, who's not, who's African American, who's a, who's, um, you know, wasn't accepted and welcomed by the family the way that she should have been. And, um, she's a, a celebrity. Obviously she's been a, she's an actress and has been in some, in some recognizable, uh, shows, um, and so that that they kind of pick at the the kind of the, the the clean image that the monarch wants to display to the world. So there are two kind of PR issues that are weighing on the on the monarch. the The other one is a is a more I think a more significant one is it is the continual unraveling of the of the Commonwealth, um, and that. Many more of these countries do not want to be represented. They do not want the monarch anymore. They don't want to be a part of the Commonwealth anymore. And I think Elizabeth's death will probably lead to more of these nations removing themselves 
as a part of the Commonwealth. And the British aren't going to do anything. They have no mechanism uh, to prevent this. Um, and they can persuade them to stay, um, but they're most likely going to leave. But that even that's not the bigger issue. The issue is the actual United Kingdom states, uh, those uh, states that make up the United Kingdom. And let me just as you have England, the primary, the Wales, then you have Scotland, and then you have Northern Ireland. Um, Scotland is the is the big piece of this. They have already voted in the, uh, recently to gain independence from um, the British uh, government. Um, they want independence. And what's so fascinating is UK has already established this tra- uh, tra- tradition by leaving the EU. So Brexit, that Britain as a, uh, and this is primarily led by England and, and the British government and Boris Johnson to separate themselves from the United Un- from the European Union to no longer be an EU nation um, and and be separated from that that group of, of nations. Um, and this was very controversial. I mean it it didn't pass you know by much. Um, and there was a lot of this is one of Boris Johnson's biggest uh, task as prime minister was figuring out uh, how 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 UK was going to have a working relationship with rest of the European nations on trade and other issues and security issues and immigration issues now since they're no longer a part of the EU and Scotland historically has been has had a close connection with France and other parts of Europe um, and Scotland has desired independence um, from from England, from the British monarch, from the British Parliament, and they've already had one vote recently. I don't see why there 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 won't be another vote in the coming years. Uh, Britain desperately wants to keep Scotland in the UK because there's oil that comes out of the northern uh, the northern sea, um, and Scotland is very important too. Um, and that would be another. Basically, what happened is, is that you know, there's they've been so entwined for so many years, and so much of, of their of their histories have been together. Um, they would have to be. Uh, they both would have to have a trade uh, trade deals. They would have to how they got to deal with coastal security um, since they share um, maritime borders, um, and it, it would be a mess. And and Britain does not. England does not want to separate from Scotland. Um, and so with Elizabeth's death and now Charles is king, will that lead to Scotland? And if Scotland leads, Northern Ireland would follow suit, and then so will Wales. So the great British Empire, which included India into, um, into Southeast Asia, um, Burma, and... Um, um, there's so many countries that I can, um, I can kind of, kind of South Africa and as I mentioned Egypt and Saudi Arabia, and uh, islands around the world. Australia. This is all you know, they used to say that the sun didn't, uh, the sun always set on, on the British Empire, um, and out of that empire was somewhat intact when Elizabeth became queen. It, it's <laughs> if Scotland leaves. 
it will unravel that the, the that Charles or whoever or William could be king over just England, England alone. It already is a small island nation. It will be a very very small peninsula of a small island, um, and they will lo- continue to lose influence in the world and 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 economic power in the world and military power in the world if that were to happen. Um, and so Charles. England is at a crossroads um, as a nation. Elizabeth's death and 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 Charles's kind of coordination is a they're at a crossroad. It's a turning point in their history, and there's so many things going against them. And I think Charles, as an individual, is is so um, is just not a well liked person. Uh, if you've watched The Crown at all, you, he's just an annoying individual. And I think it just kind of feeds into the perspective that people have about him. And, um, and he re- continues, because one of the interesting things about Elizabeth, his, his mother, was she was a, um, I believe, a very faithful member of the Church of England and took her role as the defender of the faith uh, very seriously. And Edward, Charles won't. Um, and I think the image of Charles and Camilla and what they represent, they represent adultery, they represent divorce, they represent, um, I would say, um, cultural Christianity at best, um, they represent sexual immorality, they represent um, a low view of marriage, um, they represent the destabilization. And and um, and they represent um, like low personality and low character. These are all things that now the monarch represents. Where before it represented stability and morality. It represented faith. It represented a seriousness. It represented leadership. It represented honor and character. And Charles is none of those things. And I think this is the beginning of a very dark period of, of British history, where they will continue to um, they will continue to lose influence in the world. And and I think that you know, as you think of Winston Churchill and where England was, if you've seen the movie um, uh, The Darkest Darkest Hour, if you've you know, he was the when you think about the history of the English people, English-speaking people. And Winston Churchill wrote that book, um, two volumes on the history of the English people. Um, he, he connected, Elizabeth connected us to Winston. And Winston connected us to the great heroes of England. And Elizabeth's death uh, last year has, I think, there will be a huge vacuum um, of where where does the leadership for the English pe- speaking people come from now? Um, I think the topic of leadership and is is a huge topic um, that I don't know if we talk about with the right proper terms um, and having great the right models for what leadership is and you know to talk about character and leadership is is super important. Um, you know, think about the even the evangelical world, and people talk about well, how would you define evangelicalism? Um, 
and it's hard to talk about it without mentioning Billy Graham. Billy Graham is it's a major part of the history and and um, an identity of evangelicalism. His death has created a massive vacuum, and, and I think one of the when you think about politically where the evangelical movement is, it is it is disjointed, and and the reason is because Billy Graham is no longer alive, and I think Elizabeth is a is a part of that as well. That her death. Um, there is a, a vacuum of leadership and solid uh, honoring and, and, and a leader of, of morality that is, is, there's a huge gap there. And Charles will not fill that gap. He is such a small individual. He will not be able to fill that. Um, and I think... Um, Britain will suffer for it. I think the world will suffer for it as well. I think America will also suffer for this as well. We are impacted by what happens in Britain. We are tied together at the hip. Not only is our, our, our origin tied to Britain, um, but our, our history is tied to it. Our, our progress is tied to it. Their demise is our demise. And, and so I, I want to just encourage everyone listening to this to pray for Charles pray that he would no longer consider himself the defender of faith, but a defender of the faith, the faith that is in Christ Jesus alone. Um, pray that he would come to know Christ. Pray that his position, and what's an interesting thing about what happened at the coordination is that there was many readings done from the New Testament, readings done from Scripture, readings done from the Book of Common Prayer, that he had to recite. And I wonder, will the weight of that role um, open his heart to the gospel and the truth of what he represents. Um, and he come to know um, Christ and, and, and worship him and be a steward and servant of Christ um, and speak openly about the beauties and the majesty of Christ, that he is a servant of Christ um, and not a servant of himself. And so uh, pray for King Charles. We, we see this in scripture to honor Honor the honor the government. Honor. We see this Romans thirteen. We see this in First Peter as well. Uh, to honor uh, the emperor, honor the, our kings, honor our, our president, honor our elected officials. Pray for them. Uh, pray that God would use them. Um, God has given them a leadership role for His purpose and for His glory. Um, and pray that that glory, that, that purpose, would be to build up um, the church. Uh, to give the church freedom to worship, freedom to pos- to share the gospel with the lost world, to serve and minister to people in need, um, and uh, pray that uh, Charles w- and Camilla would do that. Um, and so, um, you would love to, again, hear your thoughts on King Charles III, and uh, if you watched it, tell me your thoughts. Um, email me at mcastro at centralchurch.com. Uh, again, we'd love to hear about what you're reading and, and watching. Uh, maybe provide some suggestions for me as well. And uh, I am um, uh, here at Central Church. So if you're looking for a church, we'd love for you to be a part of what we're doing here at Central Church. Uh, go to our website at centralchurch.com. This has been um, a pastor's newspaper. Um, and I am Dr. Castro. I want to help you read the news with the Bible in your hand. Keep reading the news uh, with the Bible in your hand. Have a wonderful day.
keep reading the news with the Bible in your hand. Have a good day.